that's, that's the... <laughs> because you know the other way is not is not true. Uh, Dennis, my buddy man, how are you doing on this happy hour? Well, it's uh, it's happy. Uh, we are in the midst of uh, a sizable amount of snow, I suppose, by many people's standards. Not 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 Buffalo like snow, but for Kalamazoo, it's probably about eight inches today. Wow! So uh, for- slushy roads and shoveling the sidewalk twice. Nice. But I did my um, doing my uh, uh, never to be called handyman um, job at my friend, uh, my buddy, my new buddy Steve's house, who uh, needed uh, a, a new uh, desk work t- uh, station and had in his back room as a laundry table of all things with folding legs underneath it a uh geez a seven foot plus uh tabletop that he made of plywood with oak veneer over the top of it and he had used these little pegs to hold it down together it's kind of attractive the <laughs> little pegs nice stained oak and he said i want that folding table turned into my work table and i looked at his work area and he had an old antique uh, desk, a s- small dark wood one, squarely built, missing the drawer, and all of the pieces looked like they were dropping. Gravity was pulling them, and it was real rickety. And because it was the wrong height, he had it up on four plastic pots. Four plastic pots. Yes, and then he had a couple tables next to him, and he had his he had two two uh, uh, two monitors and. A bunch of stuff, a microphone, he had tables and stuff. So I said, I can see why you want in that bay window-like area where your desk is to completely fill it with a seven-foot table that's notched, that goes back. Yep. And then meets the front of the wall. And so that's what I've been working on. And uh, I got mostly finished yesterday and took me uh, six hours, take the legs off, build new legs, and figure out how to make it uh, Relegged. Uh, four feet longer and uh, two feet longer on each side so that it completely filled the open space instead of had a little two foot gap at the end that could have been, that should have been, could have been, will be filled. But the tabletop so, itself is one piece of wood and yes. you've, you've added wings. either onto both sides wings. Okay. Wings. And in order to do the wings. wings, I didn't want the wings. This is cool. I didn't want the wings to have any legs. Whoa. And so I mounted underneath the tabletop two by fours running thin side up so that their tinsel strength is enormous. Inside up? Uh, instead of flat side, wide side, the two inch the two inch part of the two by four is against the tabletop. Okay. So it's gotcha. to keep the tabletop from bending. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. Among other things. And to secure it. So all I nice. did was add to those uh six foot uh you know uh supports two more supports that went two feet too long. And so it's like a, a skeleton with 
two prongs waiting yep. for the board to be dropped on it. Sure, yeah. And uh, found uh, wood to pretty much match. It's amazing what you can do with uh, two by fours and, and four by fours and, and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I made a nice design. It works pretty well. It's on wheels. Very well, easy to move out. Wedges in between the, you know, bay window. You know, a bay window is right. The recessed. Yeah. And then the 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 bay window area is also recessed. So it's like a double recess. So I'm filling all that with a tabletop. It looks. It's gonna look good. Staining it. Cedar. Cedar leg. Cedar trim. Oak. Very nice. My, Cedar's uh, great to work with. My. The extent of my carpentry experience was uh, my freshman year of college. I uh, I was going. I I roomed. My roommate was a friend of mine from high school, uh, who he and I had spent a lot of time uh, goofing around in high school uh, in his in his like workshop. Uh, area with his like we were sawing wood and doing weird things on right know. building uh, stuff and so we uh we went and we looked at the we measured the exact dimensions of our dorm room that was uh you know how uh how dorm rooms are they're yeah. all, all like um uh dang it what's the word uh it's cinder block yeah crap right uh, with paint yeah and so we measured the exact dimensions and we built in his driveway uh back home way far away from from school uh we built this structure uh so that our beds would be elevated uh but there wouldn't be any uh, all of the all of the legs of the structure were against the walls and the the corners of the beds that that weren't against the wall would be uh would be supported by something on by a bar going across the top and we engineered the shit out of this thing and and then we we somehow transported it to to the university and we within when we installed this thing and it was amazing. Like we had uh, this this thing where our where our mattresses were elevated off of the floor, and uh, and we put like sofas and stuff underneath, and like it like it it freed all of the floor space yeah. underneath. You created a two story structure, right? It was like a, it was like a loft uh, in this yeah. in this tiny little room. Uh, but I remember the just the. Uh, the joy of the engineering and the work and the reward for and the payoff of having this thing being built and installed and then we lived in this in this room where uh where it was where we had more floor space and like we we just made the space better twice uh, as big yeah and uh in the end we uh we didn't really work out as roommates uh 
for ver- a variety of reasons. Uh, Mostly because of you, your habits. Most, yeah. You're snoring for. Example. I have, I have, I have to, uh, I have to attribute all of the blame to myself. Uh, but uh, he, I think he dropped out of college oh. after the first year, and then I had a different roommate that was another Slacker. friend of mine from. Slacker. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but I remember the the uh, just the possibility of having a saw and some two by fours and some four by fours and uh, what you can like the potential of what you can build is pretty much infinite. It's just up to your imagination. Uh, so I appreciate that you. Uh, you you get to work with that, and well, and the, um, the the it's nice. Like we talked about before, where in like social service jobs and other kinds of jobs I've had, where it's a never ending problem. I mean, if you're if you're if your uh, goal is to have world peace, <laughs> right. you're constantly striving. But if your goal is to build a a desk. Exactly. There's a, there's a point soon you're going to look at it and say, wow, I met that goal. What's next? Right. Having, having a well-defined success is so crucial to uh, feeling good about your work because if you're right, like if your goal is world peace and you're like, well, we, we worked really, really hard and now there were two uh, percent fewer murders this this year. Uh, it's like, does that feel like success? But if you can like point to a thing and be like, "I built that," yeah, and now it's done. Done. And now give me another project. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this uh, and <laughs> this dude's a horn player, so that's how I met him. He's a is a trumpet cornet player who plays blues occasionally does he use his nose horn huh does he use his nose nose horn (laughs) i wonder where my baby went (laughs) she ain't home today i wonder where my baby's gonna stay well, uh, so yeah, so it's good here in Kalamazoo. I mean, I'm uh, I got a interesting thing happened the other day where well, some good news, lots of good news. One is the Tab Tab Benoit is coming to Kalamazoo State Theater again, February twenty third, and uh, we have three tickets. My sister in law is joining us. It's Nikki's birthday on the the day before. Two, two, three, two, three. Two, two, and last year was what? Two, two, two. Two, two. two. And two, uh, two, 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 two. two, two. <laughs> and afterwards, he's playing at the old dog for an after party with my friend uh, Tony T-Bone, the sax player. Yeah. And um, so that's great news. And uh, as I was uh, kind of planning that out with my wife, she said, so are you going to go see your brother? 
did you say something about going to see your brother in state college? Uh-huh. And I didn't think I had. And I said, well, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> so I'm going to head that way. But at one point I said to him, hey, there's a, a rumor afoot that there'll be a, a classic in Myrtle Beach. And uh, maybe we'll repeat what we did last year. We'll do a road trip. Go to Danny's. I got the key to Danny's place. Do a little surf fishing in the in the winter. And maybe catch one and then head down and he'll cook. And But uh, it was such a quick turnaround. Yeah. And... Uh, and and I will tell you this, and, and I know that the committee itself is, is listening, so he'll understand this, is that it's clear that his hand is not involved. It's clear that the vice president, as per the president's directions last year, that he no longer was going to organize. He's letting Jeff do it. He's not written a word. That's because he's letting Jeff do it. And the first thing that Jeff did was pick a date that w- couldn't stick. Couldn't stick. So I think you and I, both of us, I want I want a letter of authenticity that he has somehow gotten the nod from the president to to to, to do this work because it's already clear that he doesn't have the skill level. So it 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 sounds like mutiny. Yeah, it's a bit. It's it's not mutinous. It's it's more like taking advantage of a situation. And he got it. He, he he asked the question, "Are you interested?" And the answer is yes. Of course, I'm interested. Right. He didn't ask the question, "Will you come?" Indeed. You know, which he's asked me before on numerous occasions. And um, I, uh, I, uh, you know, so John left me a message. I haven't called him back yet. Hey, man, looks like we're playing golf, man. <laughs> it's like, well, no, I don't. You know, it's going to cost me 700 bucks to get a plane ticket with a week's notice, you know, and I might drive. So I left my brother the message, you know, well, what about this? And talked with him a minute about it. So he's thinking of it now. Of course, it's been delayed till perhaps March. Here's my point here is that March, really? Yes. So I think March is much more put, doable. Well, on and that this, side. this is my point. I think that you should suggest that if it's after a certain date, then you can do it. And uh, because having you go is a huge attraction for me and, and for others, for your family, certainly. Um, uh, so that's one thing, even though if it's the later it is, thinking that, that I might be uh, heavily uh, contracted or employed soon, I might not be able to go. Whereas right now I don't have any commitments and it's impossible to think that I'd be committed out anytime in February. March is another story. What a, what a, what an interesting uh, opposite situation we find ourselves in where <laughs> I am employed, which makes it hard for me to go. Uh, and you are worried about, and like, because I just started my job. Right. Uh, and I'll soon it, be in the same position you are now, which is I can't take a week off after I've just got this contract. Right. Exactly. In the same way that, uh, right. That I should not. Well, uh, so a little local news, a little local news. 
Give me some look. Uh, uh, I want to read to you an article in January 2023 from the local uh, news news rag uh, Spark, which is like a good news little newspaper that goes around. It's called Michigan's Own Grace Gilbert, the bearded lady. And I will summarize this by saying that Grace became a big circus attraction and traveled the world. And she is from nearby Kalkaska, Michigan. Now, it's an interesting story. I'm I'm riveted uh, already. That the bearded lady is from Michigan. And I'm going to hold this picture up, not because our, our many listeners can hear it, but I want you to see that face. That looks like an Indian gentleman. Now, in the show notes... This, this, hold on. I just want to say that uh, our Patreon subscribers at the Gin Martini level uh-huh. will be able to see this video and will wow. have seen that. So give wow. an extra... Oh, yeah. There she is. Now, what I'm, what I'm going to send you... And you're telling me that's not, uh, that's not an Indian gentleman? No, it's a woman. It's her name is Grace Gilbert. She's the okay. bearded lady. Okay. She worked for the Ringling Brothers in Barnum and Bailey Circuses. And she grew up here. Right up the street from the person who did who was interviewed. While cool. in Kalkaska, Michigan, Grace wore a veil, as many pregnant women at the time believe their babies could be marked should the mother be traumatized by seeing a person such as Grace. So while she was pregnant, she wore a veil. She didn't want to scare anybody. But here's the whole point of the story. Well, This is an identical picture of the bass player from Out of Favor Boys. Tony's bass player, this is him. I'm going to show you a picture of him. And when you see it, and well, I'll, I'll be able to show you. Uh, maybe I can get this to you too, or send you the article. You—it's uncanny. It's uncanny. It's a Doppelganger. Oh, that we are speaking in German now. Doppelganger. That's good. Uh, so, how many bearded ladies? in the past were really uh, trans women do you think people that identified as women but were really men but had uh, masculine genetics Uh, well I don't know but in the case of Grace Gilbert obviously she became pregnant uh, so she was not uh, trans, uh, but okay. but your question wasn't about her. Your question was in general. That's a good question. I don't know. I suspect that it's a reasonable number. And and also, just uh, I wonder about the genetic mutation that caused. Like, how many women suffer? suffer because i because of the because of our modern standards of uh of beauty uh suffer from having a lot of facial hair that they have to like maintain 
right uh, go I, get rid of one it. wonders and now that now that you can't just like go to to the local circus and be like employ me uh yeah right. one wonders it uh <laughs> wait a minute you keep saying that. You wonder. You, it's not. It's, you're not one wonders. You're speaking like you're speaking to yourself in the third person. It's like one wonders. You might as well be saying. Eric one does. Wonders. One does not know what you're talking about. Eric, <laughs> Eric wonders. No, you're I, funny. I, I was just. Uh, who knows? I, I that thought had never occurred to me until just now, and maybe it's Which like horribly offensive. Which thought? Uh, one's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. So, so, um, so uh, a couple things. One is the second uh, episode of Your Honor came out. Seen it. And uh, I'd like to talk about it a little bit because there are some uh, understandings of the timeline. I took and notes also, and to, also for this conversation, which is super series, rare. Uh, the Last of Us, is that the name of it? The That's Last the one that you said that you liked. And time. the second one is even better. And I am way hooked. Although I will tell you this, to begin the discussion with the honor... I am beginning to be a bit intrigued, and the acting, of course, is, is is pretty good. But as I begin to piece it together, some of the logistical issues and the time issues I mentioned earlier. Wait, you're talking about you're talking about your honor, not yeah, the last your place. honor, your honor, your is honor. That, All I'm saying about... is, I, I, I'm sorry, I changed subjects too quickly for you to be able to. to I didn't turn on my signal. Okay. A, anyway, the second episode of The Last of Us is better so i'm hooked new subject hold on it was you're talking about the second to last of us the second episode i just saw okay not, not the last of it the second to last of us <laughs> okay very clever, sorry very Continue. clever and and only to further confuse people yeah. you know that's my I'm main sure that's, this is my main I'm sure that's role that here or listener that's my main um, role here so, um, but back to your honor, what we discovered yes. this episode is that he was in uh, actual prison for a year. And we now know for certain that DOJ agent Rosie Perez, uh, yes. whoever she is in the, in the show, um, she got him out as a DOJ agent can to turn state's witness. And this is what I managed to piece together about the logistics that serves to to make my comfort level enough that I'm not so disgusted with with just the idiocy of it. Oh, good on them. Unknowns to they us, must have heard. They must have read your comment. He well, they could have. He uh, he very likely pled guilty to a charge of obstructing justice or aberration aberration of justice or whatever, uh, and he might have actually been first found uh, guilty through a judge's tribunal of some kind. The judges are kind of, you know, dealing with their own. And then with that finding of responsibility by them, that it was referred over to 
the district attorney for the for in this case Orleans uh, Parish, and the district attorney uh, was understanding that he was pleading guilty, and so the headlines would read, Judge uh, Diaciato, I think whatever his name is, uh, Diaciato, Diaciato uh, pleads guilty and uh, sentenced to seven to ten years in prison. And it could be as part of the agreement uh, that because it was a judicial review and a recommendation and a guilty plea, not much was known publicly about the case. But but uh, that 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 is the situation. And it's not actually related to the death of his son. The death of his son, Adam, created such a uh, despair in him that when it was that that I think that he might have uh, just announced that he was crooked and whatever or or I don't right. know how it, how it was exactly found out but then he goes to prison for a year and now the way he looks makes sense you had said it's a three-month period and it's not it's more like a six or nine month period and of course the child Adam's child his grandson whom he meets as the closing scene, which was which was shown on the previously on as if yes. as if to nudge well, me as like, hey, do you remember the, you, there was a yes, kid which you somehow missed? You were yeah. probably snoozing or whatever you do when something is on television at night. Yes, and um, that's nine months pregnancy and three month old baby. That's twelve months. So that cleared that up. You math good. Now the other thing that I raised has to do with the fact that the, the U.S. Department of Justice assistant attorney general has got these tapes and is saying to the authorities, I'm going to get this guy out and she is visiting him and she is playing tapes of his admissions, right. none of which were necessarily made public because all the public knew was that he pled guilty and he got time. And there's a box full of shit. And it could have been something that uh, Michael's mother-in-law, the legislator, uh, who he's ended up living with, um, she... That's his mother-in-law, okay. He's, it's who he's living with now. Yeah. Betting yeah. in the pantry for reasons that I'm still not put together. I think maybe that's where, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's that's you, you hear stories of people coming back from prison oh, yeah. and like yeah. not being comfortable in a in a comfortable yeah. bed, and that makes sense after a year. And like, and I need to sleep on the floor. Yeah, so much sense after three months. And uh, but here's the point of that, not 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 the tangent. Is this that he might have said in order to avoid embarrassment and, and to hit and hurt his family name, particularly his mother-in-law, that the seals the records would be sealed that there was really no reason. There was no reason he pled guilty. He got time for there to be a whole lot of publicity about it. There wasn't a trial. There was nothing public. There wasn't even a hearing. There might've been a hearing where he pled guilty, got sentenced. That's it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't question the facts, et cetera. They had a a general description of the crime, which was that he, he, he sentenced somebody that uh, as part of a deal. So he took a bribe and that's it. When you put it all together that way, now it can make some sense that 
the district, the assistant uh, attorney general says, plays the tape and says, we don't want this to get out. Right. That he's a snitch because the only thing that Michael knows about the judge is that Michael was connected to the death of his son. Michael knew that. And that's why Michael's wife forced the judge to make certain that her son, Carlos, didn't go to prison for murdering people. So Michael knows all that. And so when you see in the second episode, Michael's out of prison, one of the things that you could hear from Michael to the judges, you're a stand-up guy. Right. You kept this thing between us, blah, blah, blah. And the other person that's in the same situation is Charlie, who is mayor, foolishly let the judge convince him to get rid of the car. Right. Which he ends up describing as as far as uh, the deaths go in this whole tragic episode is a coffin with headlights. That's how serious that is. Nice. So Michael's a stand-up guy for the for for Charlie. He's a stand-up guy for Michael. What's uh What's the judge's first name? The judge's first name is Michael. You've been using Michael all the time. But uh, yeah, but I'm I'm. Uh, what's the gangster's first name? That's who I was referring to as Mike. Jimmy. 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 Well, then you got to. Did okay, you follow well, me though? Did you know I was talking about Jimmy? It. I. I that Jimmy, it's, that I Jimmy so. would say to Michael, "You're a stand-up it. guy," because Jimmy yes. knew. Yes. That he that he was involved. He's covered up the sons. Jimmy Baxter. Jimmy Baxter. Played by a guy named Michael. If we if, you, if you we want to talk about so, Michael and Brian, we can do right. actors' names if you want. Right, right. right. Pretend so, like that's what you were going for. So he knows the, he knows the judge, you know, covered up for his son. He's a stand-up guy for that reason. When he got caught by by uh, by Jimmy Baxter, he stood. He didn't turn Jimmy Baxter in. We Charlie knows the same thing. He doesn't have to worry about it. It's only three people. His 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 supporter, who's his his bodyguard guy, I guess, who will never tell, and then Michael and 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 him. So he thinks we know, of course, because we've heard the tape that Michael just because he was despondent and suicidal, right, turned on everybody, hoping that it might increase his chances of death, which is what every decision he made since his son's death was to put him in harm's way and jeopardy to the point of maybe it would kill him. Maybe someone will kill me in prison. And of course, if he wanted somebody to kill him in prison, he could have got somebody to kill him. Yeah, we talked about this. We also don't don't know and would be interesting to know about the backstory. He pled guilty. He was fine. He lost his house. Or did his mother-in-law move into it? Yeah. I, a couple of thoughts. I, first of all, the mayor has an impeccable sense of style. Like, 
I, I want to the wear what? the mayor, Charlie. What about him? That he has he has a great sense of style. Like I want to wear a suit and a fedora like the way he does. Well, he's 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 mayor of New Orleans. He's uh, quite the character. Exactly, uh, and I I love I love the the name End Cut Meat Company. End like, Cut Meat Company, yeah, yeah. Like he go, he goes to work for for this uh, for this butcher place. Uh, that was that was amazing. Well, and the and the reminder that otherwise Michael was a good ju- a good judge because the the manager of the meat market had been sentenced. And here's something quizzical: is he says to the judge, he says, "A jury found me guilty and sentenced me to forty five years in prison," and you reverse that and gave me ninety days in jail and said that good people don't deserve to be in prison. Exactly. And it was sort of like, that's why he was giving him a job, whatever. Right. Plus the fact that he was doing the attorney general. Those numbers are not correct, but, but the sentiment is yes. Well, and the, the thing is, is Michael was a, was a felony court judge and a felony court judge in no legal sense that I know of can take, someone's uh, uh, resultant uh, verdict and sentence by jury and somehow reverse it unless he's at the appellate level. So the, the, the jury finds him guilty and gives him 45 years. He appeals it and says, I'm going to a higher court. And the then when he goes level. to the higher court, the higher court says, you know, we looked at what this jury said and found it's cruel and unusual punishment. And so if Michael was an appeals court judge, but he's not. So that's a, that's a hole that uh, probably is, is not important, you know, to 99% of the viewers. And I don't think I'm wrong about it. But at the same time, Louisiana law is pretty quirky. It only takes 10 people in a jury in Louisiana, by the way, to be convicted of a death sentence. Two people of the 12 could say, uh-uh, no way. I'm totally positive. He did not do it. And another person says, yeah, I agree with you. There's no way. Ten's, ten's good enough, whereas okay. in most states in the country, of course, it's 12. Two questions. Number one. You said appellate as opposed to appellate. Yeah. I've always heard it called the appellate court. Well, good for you. Next question. But you you call it the appellate court because yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm they sure have fruit it's there. Pronounced both ways. What else you got? Okay. Uh, Same court, appeals court. Yes. To be clear. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's appealing to. Uh, uh, so, jury nullification is a thing. Override. Where you, where the jury can say, yes, he's guilty, but he doesn't deserve this sentence or whatever. Uh, is that a thing that you've seen exercised? Yeah, sure. A jury can say he's convicted, but because of extenuating <clears throat> circumstances, some of which are clear in the sentencing guideline score. But it's my understanding that that if you are 
if you're being interviewed for jury duty and you express that you understand about jury nullification, that they're going to kick you out. Uh, yeah, I suppose that the prosecutor would kick you out. I've never served because of my uh, jobs and what it's clear that, that I believe in. This, the, if, if, the guy, if the guy in the butcher shop had said, the jury found me guilty and recommended a 45-year sentence, and you gave me 90 days, then it would be accurate. But the jury did not give him 45 days. The judge okay. says, how do you find the defendant? And the answer is guilty. And they say, do you have a sentencing recommendation within the guidelines of the case, blah, blah, blah. Yes, we do, Your Honor. What is it? We recommend that the defendant receive 45 years in prison. And the judge ends it that day and says sentencing will be after our recess. And then comes back and says, I've studied this and blah, blah. I cannot agree with the jury's recommendation. I believe that this is, this is a man who is up until this point in time has only been convicted of petty crimes. This will essentially end his life. He does not deserve life in prison at the age of 45. I sentence him to 90 days and a period 45. of five-year supervised probation following his sentence. And during that time, he shall hold a job and shall not be convicted as of much of crossing the street wrong. Clam the hammer down. That's what happened. Clam the hammer down. Clam the hammer down. <laughs> Clamor the hammer. That's what I always What's say. What's that noise? Someone would say, and out in the hall where they say, sounds like hammer clamor. <laughs> hammer clamor in the in the somebody, And then some, the bailiff who happens to be a woman opens the door and says, quiet down out there. And he looks at him, the guy looks at him, looks at the other guy, and he says, hammer clamor, damn her. Wow. I was wondering where that was going. And uh, you, and you then, delivered. And then, and then he reaches in his coat pocket and he pulls out some candy, multiple kinds of candy. And he says, sampler? <laughs> that would if be he, clamor, damn her, sampler? If he'd been receiving a bunch of emails, he could have been a spammer as well. Yes. And he actually said, now that you say it, thank you. Did I stammer when I clamor the hammer? Yes. Okay. After the hammer clamor, damn her. But I'm stammer. Sampler. Period. He stammered. All right. It's a short story, man. I've been reading a, a, a book of, of the best Western short stories ever written. A compilation. Western as in? Uh, Western, Western. Wild West. Okay. Wild West. Wild okay. West. Gunslinging, cowpoking. Gunslinging, cowpoking. Cowpoking. That's... What... What is cowpoking? Well, I mean, 
There's I got a finger. cowboy who lives on the range. Yep. His horse and his cattle are his only companions. He works in the saddle and he sleeps in the canyons, waiting for summer, his pastures to change. And as the moon rises, he sits by the fire, thinking about women and glasses of beer. He closes his eyes as the doggies retire. And he sings out a song which is soft but is clear, as if maybe someone will hear. James. So good night, you moonlight ladies. Rock about sweet baby, baby James. Sweet greens and blues are the colors I choose. Won't you let me go down in my dreams and rock a by sweet baby James? Bow, bow, bow. Cow poking is what happens when you get up in the morning and put out your campfire and get out and get on your horse and say, let's go, cows. Don't be pokey. We got a long ways to go before we get to Montana. All right. Before we get to St. Louis. Uh, from Montana, they're on their way to 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 kill them them, them beefs, kill them beefs and herd them in there, ride them, ride them, you know, you know. I know. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. Keep them doggies moving. Ride. Indeed, indeed. What's the best version of that ever recorded on live uh, film? Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. Yes. The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. Yes. Bar. John Belushi pulls out a whip. And it is whip. <laughs> he ha there happens to be one hanging on the side of the bar. Dan Aykroyd. So I... Uh, I uh, uh, podcast that I listen to sometimes when I'm out of uh, other podcasts that I that I prefer uh, is this one by David Spade and Dana Carvey where they talk oh, really? about where they talk about uh, SNL and what and just like the, all their stories about the crazy shit that happens at Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And how long um, were they there? Uh, like one of them was there for four years and then the one was there for like nine years or something like that. That's a lot uh, of stories, isn't it? But, uh, but they, they have on as guests, uh, other SNL people and, uh, either ca other cast members or people that were just like there as, um, as hosts or writers. And they, they recently did a like two or three part uh, series where it was all about um, Chris Farley. Like they did a like a uh, memorial about, uh, about Chris Farley and they talked to Chris Farley's, mother and brother uh, but also a bunch of other people that had ever like worked with him and they and it was really clear that um that chris idolized uh 
Belushi in a way. The 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 SNL guy was John Belushi. His brother's Jim. They right. also talked to Jim Belushi, uh, but he idolized John Belushi, uh, and in and wanted to be him in the uh, you know big guy physical comedy uh, space, and like uh, one time he found uh, he f- he found a pair of pants in uh, in the SNL uh, like wardrobe thing that like had Belushi's name on them and he loved to wear those and he would wear those like under his other clothes when he was performing because like he wanted like he he felt uh John Belushi like he wanted to be John Belushi so bad and and they both died for the same reason at age 33 uh and like people were like warning him the entire time, like uh, like they had Kevin Nealon on and those people, and uh, and they talked about how everyone told uh, Chris, it's like, look, John Belushi was amazing, you're amazing. In fact, you're probably even better than him in so many ways. Uh, you know, don't follow that path, and uh, they they weren't able to. Uh, to stop that but it uh just i love those stories of behind the scenes of the uh entertainment stuff that like that i that i grew up watching uh super <laughs> super know, interesting I, speaking of belushi and the stories is that there's a uh a uh often seen um uh, song with Joe Cocker and Belushi is imitating Joe Cocker and Joe Cocker had never seen it before and the look on Joe Cocker's face when he was watching Belushi imitating with his chest out and his fingers flayed open and his arms back like a a bird about to crow standing on his tiptoes, yep. spinning around. And at the end of the song, when they're doing this duet, Belushi ends up falling down on the ground <laughs> and doing the squirming, twitching thing that he was doing, standing up and continuing to sing. And the look on Joe Cocker's face is worth You've seen this. Have you seen it? I have not, but I have just looked it up, and it will be in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 173. Uh, It's from Saturday night, uh, October 2nd, 1976. Ooh-wee, that's a while ago. Joe Cocker, uh, did he recently die? Uh, Or no? No. No. Our we're, who we're currently mourning is um, a fellow that looks a little bit like yourself. Uh, Joe Cocker died in 2014. Oh dear. Leon Russell. Leon Russell, what? Who do, who who are we mourning? Who I look like? Uh, Crosby. Oh, David Crosby. Yeah. Got an interesting story about David Crosby is that 
When I lived down in Tampa, Florida. You have a Crosby story. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young were playing at the local uh, university, Tampa, University of Florida. And me and my buddy scored a couple of tickets. And when we got there, we thought we were in the wrong place because there were hardly any cars there. And we went into the building and went to the gym, even though we were pretty close on time, we worked particularly early. There were hardly any people there. And as it got closer to the show playing, and I don't recall there was any warm-up band. It was Crosby, Stills, Nash. No, no, no young, I don't think, at that time. And uh, there were so few people there that in it was in like a gymnasium. And so they had the stage set up at one end and then the open floor, which was the ba- basketball court size. Right. Or, or bigger. I mean, it was bigger than that. But the point is... There was nobody in the seats. There were seats all in the back, and there was what essentially would be a huge dance floor. And there were so few people that there was a half moon of people. You could take 10 steps back and you'd be out of the crowd. Right. These guys played their freaking hearts out. And there were so few people there. And I was so enthralled. I was I was standing in front. I was the first person with my sure. hand on the stage. I was that yep. close. Yep. And David Crosby and I locked eyes and he enjoyed me enjoying the music. And he smiled and he laughed and I smiled and I laughed. And I'll never forget that oh. that moment. How beautiful. Um, I ended up writing about it in a letter that my father got a hold of. <laughs> And it was pretty clear in the letter I wrote to David Crosby that there were reasons for my uh, my mes- being mesmerized. I never mailed it, apparently. My father found it laying in one of my boxes somewhere and read it. That's funny. <laughs> and went to my brother and said, what's up with your little brother? <laughs> yeah. Uh, from all accounts I've heard, uh, David Crosby should have been gone long ago. Oh, the yeah. fact, I, the fact uh, that he the fact that he survived this many years. Yes. Is, well, he had a liver transplant, which was which was right, and and all the uh, substance abuse and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, well, and that, he was quite. You know, there was one article that I read that I meant to send you, but then I lost it. I think it was in the Atlantic. It might have been in Vanity Fair, but. Um, it was the most honest appraisal of him, of his skill and his difficulty, and said it was well known that he was a loudmouth and would never worry about whether he was hurting people's feelings when he said things, whatever, and then would beg forgiveness, you know, and notwithstanding this, you know, and uh, and and it it was good to read because in the in, in Crosby's later years. When he uh, dissed Neil Young's wife, Daryl Hannah, when he uh, said that he thought that uh, 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 fucking um, Graham Nash's biography was a bunch of whiny bitching, you know, and this and that and the other, uh, you know, and it was like I my feelings for him changed immensely. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, you, you sing good. You know, but you're kind of a prick. 
And right. of course, looking at his past, I kind of should have known that. But nonetheless, I went to see him in concert just a few years ago. He was here in Kalamazoo. Oh, really? And he had put together this young band. And the young band were uh, multi uh Not to be confused with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Different young band. Young band. And what they did was they went into his uh, uh, recordings from his sound studio. He always had access to a sound studio. When he'd get an idea, as he would say after he smoked a joint, he would go to the studio and play a couple of riffs of something that he was thinking about, and he might or may not finish it, but that's how he wrote music. Right. They went into his vault, so to speak, the bunch of them, found riffs they particularly liked, and then the four of them wrote music around those riffs. Interesting. And it was wonderful how these other musicians, and he was a true collaborator. He had a similar album uh, that, that he said this quoted, is that I didn't want these people to be singing with David Crosby. I wanted the four of us to put out music. And that's what they were doing. And uh, it's it was the best of them, you know. It was it was his higher self, as they say. Right. How how interesting to uh, put together a couple little licks here and there, you know, being inspired by uh, substances, perhaps. Yeah. And and then have because maybe what you what you put down is garbage and maybe it isn't but how amazing is it to like be at the level where then you can have like professional musicians come like i can grab the guitar and be like and but how amazing would it be to have like other musicians come and be like, okay, so how can right. we, uh, how can, assuming that this dooby 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 doo is, is genius, uh, how can we like extrapolate this into actual right. music, uh, right. which is like, wow. 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 Like, what? What? Well, I came across a child of God. He was walking along the road and I asked him, tell me, where are you going? And this he told me. What did he tell you? He said, I'm going down to Yazgur's farm. I'm going to join in a rock and roll band. I'm going to get back to the land and set my soul free. We are guard dust. Guard dust. We are guard dust. We are guard dust. Guard dust. Roll em, roll em, roll em. Guard dust. I gotta close the column. Remember the bearded lady roll on. Guard dust. Her name was Grace Gilbert. I'll never forget her. That doesn't rhyme, but I don't care. Grace Gilbert. So, man, um, see you next week, buddy. Got to blow. Got to blow. Got to blow. So between now and next week, I'm going to go to London briefly. Oh. Because my new job that's... wants to like meet me in well, person. Well, we didn't talk class. about your new job. That'd be a good uh we, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a lot of stuff to talk about uh, right. next next time. So your homework is to watch two episodes of uh, The Last of Us. 
All right, and also to travel to London and back. Yeah, so, right. Whatever. Whatever. I mean, whatever. whatever. Across you know. the pond. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a... See you, man. All right. Love you. Bye. Later, bro. Okay, that's it for episode number 173. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 173. There's a link to a jury nullification video that's very interesting, as well as more information about Grace Gilbert. You can help support the show at patreon.com slash happyhour. If you support at the Gin Martinis level, you can watch a video of us doing this crazy crap. See you next week.